everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 457. Today we're going to talk about Stardew Valley. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Leah Haydu. Hiya. And Ryan Heyman. Good morning. There's no, uh, no kind of impressions anyone could do really for this game because it is, I mean, it has, it has its sound, of course, but it, it's kind of... Listen, I'm going to sound like enough of a crazy person ranting about goblins in sewers as, as we go along. Void mayonnaise. So, uh, void mayonnaise, yeah. yes. <laughs> exactly. I was going to use this as my platform to wax political about the Joja Corporation and how I feel yeah. that they're yeah, pushing up on Stardew Valley. But I'll save that for the, um, you know, the uh, the capitalist uh, part of the show. So, yeah, the appropriate segment. Yeah. So I'm sure that'll come up. We will issue a spoiler warning. Again, it perhaps feels redundant, but I think it's it's good because the game will, you'll probably play it for anywhere from sort of 25 to 100 and something hours. And there is a progression and no matter kind of what you do, uh, events will happen and we'll talk about those events. So what is Stardew Valley in case you don't know? Stardew Valley is an open-ended country life RPG. You've, as a player, inherited your grandfather's old farm plot in Stardew Valley. Armed with hand-me-down tools and a few coins, you set out to begin your new life. Can you learn to live off the land and turn these overgrown fields into a thriving home? It won't be easy. Ever since Joja Corporation came to town, the old ways of life have all but disappeared. The community centre, once the town's most vibrant hub of activity, now lies in shambles. But the valley seems full of opportunity. With a little dedication, you might just be the one to restore Stardew Valley to greatness. That's the official blurb, as is written on Steam and elsewhere. It was designed, programmed, drawn and musicked <laughs> by one Eric Baroni, Concerned Ape, as he's known. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at that moniker. He is Seattle-based, as is our Ryan here. Have you, uh, have you come across Eric at all in your going to shows or expos or anything No, I like never that? met him in person. I mean, we've been on a few email chains when I was back at Nintendo, but uh, we've uh -huh. never met. He started work on this game around 2011 or 2012, almost straight out of, out of college where he got a computer science degree. Speaking to Matador Review... A while ago, Eric said on the subject of video games, video games allow us to go beyond the normal human experience. They can serve as portals to worlds of limitless imagination and freedom. I've always had a compulsion to discover what's out there, to explore the furthest edges of human potential. And as a kid with a wild imagination, video games seemed like a way to do that. They serve as entertainment, a powerful form of art, a peaceful escape from the chaos of modern life and a way to have experiences that are impossible otherwise. Through these means, games have a powerful and growing influence on culture. They, he sort of spoken our Kane and Rince kind of manifesto there in his sum mm. up of uh, video games. That's kind of exactly how I feel, too. Carl the Frog is our first correspondent in this show from the forum, says, wow, what an incredible feat for a solo dev. Any individual part could be a justifiable career game dev. The pixel art, the programming, the features of farming, fishing, foraging, light combat quests and putting together a believable little town, that's Pelican Town, uh, are all wonderful successes. I was a big Harvest Moon 64 fan with nothing else really scratching that itch, even the games in the Harvest Moon series. I was really looking forward to the release of Stardew Valley. I caught the tail end of the hype train up to the release on Steam. 
Stardew Valley feels like a game just for me, a Harvest Moon fan left out by the publisher-developer Fallout. I believe I've read somewhere that this is how Concerned Ape felt and motivated his creation of the game. How would you make a modern Harvest Moon game with all the advancements in quality of life features and changes to the gaming industry since the initial Harvest Moon games? The answer, for some people, myself included, is Stardew Valley. Jason Schreier's Blood, Sweat and Pixels shed some light on the development of the game. While this smash hit can seem like it came out of nowhere for instant success to a mostly solo developer, it's always important not to fetishise the slow, hard grind that is working on a game. Concerned Ape worked for years without any sales and was supported by his girlfriend for most of the development. Now he has a small team working to provide updates like multiplayer for the game. That's not to downplay the incredible talent, dedication and hard work of Eric Baroni, but whenever I see stories of how one man did it all, I think it's important to remember that everyone needs a support system. And without dipping my toes too far in the politics pool, perhaps with more social support for everybody, we could have more polished, niche, successful games like this one. Bit of politics there. Get it in nice and early. <laughs> Eric says uh, again in that interview, everything was self-taught. I've been drawing and making music for my entire life. So I just got better from thousands of hours of practice and experimentation. I've always had this strong urge to create things, drawings, music, stories, poems, whatever. Yes, as mentioned by our correspondent there, version 1.4 and beyond, uh, he roped in uh, one Arthur Lee and Eric, uh, Alex Erlinson for some help. Uh, the conversions for the consoles done by Sickhead Games, who are a conversion specialist uh, who have worked with a lot of uh, indie developers such as uh, Map Makes Games and Humble Hearts, uh, Alien Trap, people like that to bring games that were coded on PC into the console realm. And the publisher is, is Chucklefish, which is a British-based, a London-based publisher. Uh, they've also been responsible for publishing the likes of Wargroove. They developed that one as well, actually. Uh, Risk of Rain was uh, one they published and Time Spinner, among others. In May 2016, Baroni announced that publisher Chucklefish would help with non-English localizations, Mac, Linux and console ports and the technical aspects required for online co-op play, allowing him to focus solely on the first major content update. Ports for the PS4 and Xbox One were announced at the uh, E3 20, uh, 2016 in June. At the same event, Baroni stated that a port for Wii U was also to be released, although that version was later cancelled in favour of a version for the Nintendo Switch. In early 2017, Baroni stated his intentions for the possibility of a Vita port, which was later confirmed and released on May 22nd, 2018. So that multiplayer code was uh, put together by one Tom Coxon. The original version of the game, or the, the finished version of the game, came out for Windows first in February 2016, hence us covering this now. It is the fifth anniversary of the game's initial release. The Mac version followed just a handful of months later in the summer in July. The console, the first console versions for PS4 and Xbox One arrived in December 2016. The Switch version arrived October 2017. And that Vita version arrived, yeah, May 2018, when the Vita was already quite old for a handheld console. To say, don't you dare call that Vita dead. I still love my Vita. <laughs> I love my Vita too. Alex79UK from the forum says, I really like this game, but uh, I've probably played over 100 hours across PS4, Vita and Switch, and I've still never played to the end of year one. I really suffer from start again syndrome. Alex reported on the forum today that he's in fall of year one and he thinks he's going to get there this <laughs> time. So hang in there, Alex. Get get through the winter. It's, it's worth beautiful. It. It's worth it. It is worth it. 
<laughs> iOS uh, version arrived in October 2018 and Android March 2019. Those versions, I think, are still supported, but they're slightly behind the PC and console versions in terms of versions. I assume they will be updated, but I couldn't say for sure. Open Critic, the review averaging resource, shows that the game is heartily recommended by almost everyone and it has a 90% review score average. User reviews, 273,000 Steam users rate it as overwhelmingly positive overall. Metacritic, the uh, PS4 and Xbox One versions are slightly lower regarded. I don't really know why that is, but they're sitting on a 7.8, 7.9. Hardly disastrous, but the PC, Switch and iOS versions are on 8.6 to 8.8. No idea what's going on there. I don't know if it got review bombed because they were behind in versions at some point or something like that. But anyway, probably not worth worrying about. Push Square, PlayStation users like it anyway. It's got a 9.1, albeit from only 12 punters. And Nintendo Life from nearly 500 folks has it on an 8.7, which is all very healthy, as are the game's sales. All we know as of the last report, which was January, just a month ago, January 20, uh, no, sorry, over a, a year and a month ago, January 2020, the game had sold over 10 million copies. When Stardew Valley launched on February the 26th, who would have guessed that the indie farming simulation title would end up in the Steam's top 10 games the following week, outselling pre-orders for Tom Clancy's The Division. This was from How Stardew Valley Won Steam in MCV in April 2016. The game has amassed a devoted community, which might even be the sweetest in the whole video games industry, as players on Reddit kindly offered to buy the game for others to deter piracy. Steve Norman from the forum says, I adore Stardew Valley. I've meandered through dozens of hours across multiple systems and untold evenings gone in a flash, but I'm not sure I've even scratched the surface. I don't mind, though. I'm more than content just planning out my day or wandering about and seeing what takes my fancy. I just love being there. One day I might forget to leave. Which brings us to our histories and... I shouldn't forget, Brian, this is your nomination for the year. Yeah, yeah, um... Yeah, I, I, which will not come as a surprise to you that that I enjoy Stardew Valley. I actually have a cane and rinsey history with it, um, because uh, before I was uh, on the show at all, um, I was just a, a, a listener and I listened to the Undertale episode of Cane and Rinse, a game I hadn't played, and it uh-huh. really affected me in a positive way. And I broke out my old laptop because um, I've never been much of a PC gamer and said, "Hey, I wonder if this will run Undertale." And it would, because Undertale is not specifically, um, you know, uh, difficult to run. It's not demanding. Yeah. And so when I was on there, I was like, oh, what other games might this old laptop be able to run? And I came across Stardew Valley. I'm like, well, this doesn't look too graphically demanding. So and it's mm-hmm. got really good reviews. So I'll download that. And uh, what proceeded to happen was um, 120 hours uh, to the point where I actually had a little divot in my right quadricep from where the battery jutted out of my laptop um because i would just play it for i mean i just uh i just felt i just fell so hard and uh, in love with the game um to the point where uh when it was released on consoles i got the xbox version of it because i thought what could um uh, make stardew valley better than uh gamer score um so i got it there and mm-hmm. then the only thing that could make Stardew Valley better than that is if I could play it anywhere I went, which is why I ended up getting it on the Switch. So um, I've actually had three farms. Gosh, I'm probably upwards of 250 to 300 hours combined over the three versions. Um, most recently, I played through for the show. I started a farm back in January or maybe um, early or late last year um, on the Nintendo Switch. So, yeah, suffice to say, I've uh, 
I've I've spent a number of hours in Pelican Town. Grandpa has judged you multiple times. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, very. Uh, the first time, quite harshly. I I was not I was not very focused on my relationships with anyone per se, as much as I was um, how to maximize the amount of pumpkins I can sell for profit. So, and are you uh, a polygamist? A polygamist? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, and actually, uh, we can talk about this later. Um, not only am I not a polygamist, I'm a I'm a one woman man across three games. Um, <laughs> That's I, interesting. I just, uh, you know what, Penny just she needs out of that trailer. I don't know what else to tell you. I gotta get her out. I have to save her every time. I can't. I don't know what it is. We we have a connection. So I'm thinking Penny's uh, got red hair. Yes. Yeah. And uh, am I right in thinking your real life wife has red hair? Well, hey, who's next? Is it Leah? Um, who's who's, who's <laughs> next? <laughs> is it Ryan? Who's who's going next? <laughs> I think that's very sweet. <laughs> Ryan, I don't know your history with this game at all, so please enlighten everyone. Yeah, I picked this one up about a year after it came out on Steam, and so I've had it for a long time, but I've uh, I've dabbled. I haven't spent a ton of time with it until preparing for the show. I have kind of a scattered history with this entire genre. I've like very, very, very lightly dabbled in Harvest Moon in the past, and yeah. I have spent quite a bit of time in Animal Crossing. I really enjoyed the GameCube game, spent a bit of time on the DS game, didn't fall as much in love with it, but then on the 3DS, that one really kind of took over my life for a long time, and then I've played on Switch since, and I was, uh, I don't know, I've, I've been kind of outspoken about being kind of disappointed by Animal Crossing on the Switch, and it feeling a little underwhelming based on the experiences I'd had with that series in the past, and so I was very curious, you know, this game was often compared to Animal Crossing, and was kind of interestingly doing almost everything that Animal Crossing did in the kind of opposite direction. Like the things that this game would spend a lot of time and attention, uh, a lot of time and attention on were the types of things that Animal Crossing would, would kind of automate via in-game mechanical systems and then vice versa, you know? And so I was, I was thinking like people compared the experiences as feeling similar but um, being, you know, mechanically and as far as like story and writing and everything like that goes like very, very, you know, almost opposite in a way. And so I was wondering, you know, will this kind of scratch the itch that uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons kind of left me wanting on a little bit? And so uh, I might just kind of do a few comparisons throughout the show, not necessarily to put one over the other or ordinarily rank the two, but just like, <laughs> but because you, I you think you take it's... every opportunity to dunk on new horizons. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not dunking. I mean, I, it, it didn't give me what I wanted, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. Like I, I've nothing it's a good against thing you don't work for Nintendo anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I played this with, uh, with new horizons, uh, still kind of fresh in mind. I, I was very interested and I'll say my approach to playing this particular game that will also kind of color how I'm able to talk about it during the show was that mm. um, obviously this game is intimidatingly huge if you really want to mm. get into every aspect yeah. of everything. And Kane and Rince being such a, a thorough examination of games, I had kind of a crisis of conscience. Like, how am I going to play the game in such a way that I adequately weighed into every system in a way that allows me to speak with some level of professionality when this isn't a game that I've been, you know, streaming for hours a day for right. years, yeah. like a lot of people really deep in the community have. I ended up deciding, and maybe this is uh, 
maybe it wasn't the right decision, but you know, we can talk about that. Like I, I just decided to, you know what, let's play it the way that I would play it if I wasn't playing it for a show. Come into yeah. it with the most kind of honest the most honest experience that I would have had with it if I was just purely playing for pleasure. And let's see what that what that gets me. And so I think there are systems that I'll have gone really deep in. There are other systems that I've probably not touched as much as the rest of you, but I'm hoping that at least that decision allows me to kind of speak with it, uh, speak to it with some level of like an experience that emulates how like a normal player would probably approach (laughs) it. I don't know. Because I've definitely been on the other side of it in certain game rinses in the past where I've min-maxed yeah, for sure. to the detriment of being able to yeah. speak to it like a human. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, the, uh, the, the breadth of experience is, is welcomed. Leah, I'm really interested in this, all kinds of reasons. One, because your enthusiasm for this game was instantly palpable um, and, and infectious. Uh, you bought the guidebook. I we did, know that yes. Much. Uh, I know there's sort of there's multiple interesting things to to ask you about. One is I know you've always been very cool on Animal Crossing, to yeah, say the least. I have, I have. And there are there are differences. There are huge differences. Sure. Let, let's be clear, but there are also similarities, and which which so that's interesting that this one just you know really grabbed you. And also as an RPG, a JRPG person, I wanted to know how much uh, history, if any, you had with the the games that inspired. Stodgy Valley. So not much is is the answer to that. Um, I yeah, I, I was also going to bring up uh, Animal Crossing um, specifically because I that's something that I just have always bounced off of super hard. Yeah. Uh, it's just mm. not been something that that especially interests me. And I I have tried to kind of figure out why it is that I got bitten by Stardew Valley so hard uh, when when that's the case with uh, something similar like Animal Crossing. And I think some of what Ryan was saying really makes sense in that regard. I think that part of it, and this is this is a small thing, but I think it's something that really hit me hard, is that it's not in real time. Like you can do things and not have to wait for the next day in your own life in order to do something in the game. I, 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 that sounds kind of silly w- when I say it like that, but, but it just, it, it, to me, I think that was, that was part of it is that I can play it for as long as I want and I'm not kind of cut off by the design of the game, if that makes sense. Um, and, and then something else, uh, you mentioned JRPGs. I, I think that that, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with things like Harvest Moon or, um, uh, Rune Factory is the other one that I was mm. thinking of. Um, mm. I don't yeah. have a lot of experience with those, but I approached this as something along the lines of one of those crossed with kind of just a, a straight up management sim. I like games. I, I like spreadsheet games is is really what it comes down to. My history is basically that I have always kind of had an eye on Stardew Valley and I just never really got around to it. It was actually a copy of it was actually given to me in, I want to say maybe 2016 um, around Christmas time. A friend sent me like a steam code for it and said, Hey, I think you'd really like this. And I never played it. So I didn't play it until I started to play for the show. I was very excited about that because it gave me um, an excuse, I I guess, to um, if you would need such a thing. 
Uh, gave me an excuse to uh, really kind of dig in. Uh, I have spent about 80 hours on my current farm. I'm not hardlining it like I was when I very first started and and thought, you know, you know, I'll get to the end of year two and then I'll probably just stop. I'm um at the, let's see, I think I'm in the middle of summer of year three right. and I play a little bit most days. Like I, during my lunch break, I'll, yeah. you know, get off and, and play a day or two in, uh, in, in Stardew and, you know, maybe have a little mini goal that I'm going to do. And, and that works out really well for me. So um, there's still a couple of larger projects that I'm, um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, some more specific things, but I, I'm going to get to level 100 of that stupid skull cavern if it kills me. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really in the middle of all this right now, and um, which is, which is great. Uh, but I definitely feel like I have enough experience in it now that I can speak to a lot of parts of it from, from that perspective as well. So there you go. Same. Uh, I I think I bought this the first time after I got a switch that it was reduced in any meaningful way, just by a few quid. I think I bought it maybe late 2017 or early 2018. Didn't get around to playing it beyond the opening minutes, of course, until we have this uh, opportunity with the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Uh, and the fifth anniversary, which meant that I'd already put it on the kind of shortlist for the year. I have a little bit of history with the Harvest Moon games. I mean, there's a whole there's multiple shows to be made there there's a whole complicated situation with uh, rights and naming and natsume falling out with the the, the the yeah developers and producers falling out so we now have harvest moon games that are kind of non-canon as it were and we've got games called story of seasons which are the continuation of the harvest moon series and then there's the spin-off uh, rune factory series as well uh, there's loads of those i played a little bit of the SNES, the original on the Super Nintendo, and I've got that on my uh, my my SNES Mini. I played a little bit. I didn't play the N64 version. Uh, played a, a fair amount of the GBA version, Friends of Mineral Town, uh, which is the one where I really started to understand the genre. Uh, also had It's a Wonderful Life. No, that's the film. Harvest. Is it called Harvest Moon? It's a Wonderful I Life. Think it's just it called is. A Wonderful Life, maybe. Wonderful Life. That's maybe. I think that, maybe I don't that's know. right. Anyway, yeah, I've dabbled in the past, but this one, I got to admit, as much as I, I like the purity of going back to the originals, I did fancy a game that had you know, some of the modern conventions, quality of life improvements and things like that. So uh, this seemed like a good opportunity. I've played two years exactly, or two years and one day, I think, uh, 85 hours 80, or 83 hours, possibly. There's plenty more I could do, but I had to stop. I already played a week longer than I was intending to, leaving me with crunch for Dragon Age 2, which seems appropriate um, <laughs> for next week's podcast. But yeah, here we are. Uh, it was not a chore to go on the second year. So obviously those farming simulator games take a more realistic approach, first person if you want, actual farm machinery driving around. But ultimately the kind of the game, the fundamentals of, of the business simulator uh, are in there but i suppose what i neither of, of those games nor stardew valley doesn't really approach or get across is that they 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 kind of lure you in with this um idyllic rather inaccurate probably suggestion of this bucolic kind of uh, magical wonderful simple life that farming offers when of course the reality for many farmers in the modern world is it's backbreaking it has a hugely high suicide rate um it, you you keep you know 
terrible hours and and yeah it's just it's not really um like the storybook version that that we we were perhaps uh sold some of us as kids i'm not saying every farmer is is deeply unhappy or anything like that i know that isn't the case but it is a serious you know it's like a it's a proper full-on full-blown consuming uh profession the game takes the takes the fun and fantastical and whimsical elements without the although this game does have a darker underbelly it sure does in a couple of different ways yeah you mentioned um you know that that it's that it's very hard work to to be a farmer and one of the first things that will happen for you is and this happened to me on like the first or second day so your character your your little avatar has a stamina meter as you do work that stamina meter goes down and when you very first start you know all you have is just kind of this plot of land with a bunch of rocks and sticks and trees and and stuff on it and so you know you have to work at clearing that before you can even start planting or doing anything like that and i didn't really know what was going to happen when i ran out of stamina turns out you just kind of fall over um and then (laughs) somebody carries you back to your house uh, and tells you Mm. later on hey i found you laying out in a field i think somebody might have taken stuff out of your pockets wink wink and then you know you're missing money so like it's it's not gonna let you go on forever is one thing you could end up in uh in hospital yeah yeah if If you you, uh, keep overworking if you you and if you um there are mines that you can go into that are kind of just a a um a rogue light, I guess it'd even be. Um, Dungeoneering. Yeah, uh, to, for, for more resources and, and other purposes. But yeah, if you uh, run out of health or run out of stamina down there, then yeah, you'll pass out and end up in the hospital, which true to um, American medical system charges you an absurd amount of money and then <laughs> uh, and tells you now be careful and send you on your way. It's like this is this is some, you know, little country doctor who uh, who he's what is he going to do with a thousand gold? Like, are you kidding me? That didn't cost that <laughs> to bring me out of this mine. But uh, and also yeah, it's like when you when you get sent back to the doctor, it's still the middle of the day. He charges uh-huh. you a thousand gold and you have <laughs> no stamina and a sliver of health. Like, I mean, Maybe you yeah. can shot a heroin or something. Unless, I don't know what he unless did. Unless the pub's yeah. open, you can go buy a bunch of salads and just yep. shotgun them, you know, in order to get your, <laughs> your stuff back up. But like, no. Also works in real no, life. Yeah. Like, like, so, so I remember, uh, I'm not sure if it was the first time, one of the few times that, that I either passed out from stamina or died in the mines or, or stayed up too late even. Mm-hmm. Like the next morning, I'm like, okay, here, I'm going to do it again. I wake up and my stamina meter's at like half. I'm yeah. like, yeah. like, wait. Like, like I, I know I did wrong. I won't do it again. I, look I promise. Yeah. It was like, um, but uh, make yourself some brunch bars. You'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I get. I need. I need one. I I need to make some of <laughs> some of these uh, fiber bars. I gotta get. I gotta get pine we'll cones eat, and 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 oak leaves. Eat fish straight out the pond. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> That's like it's Gollum. fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you just yeah, drink no, it's, some it's, it's of the wine that you've made in your basement, which is a thing that you slows can do. you down. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, that, that does debuff you a bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not uh, in terms of the survival elements. It's not like um, what's that one uh, with the the little guy on the island who R- has to chop start. down trees? Order? Rust. Order. Don't start. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or yeah, one of those. It's not. It's not. <laughs> that's a lie. It's not that brutal, is it? It's not like it. it it, it's not that punishing or, or you know, demanding, uh, but it does have those elements in there. By the late game, your energy bar is, or I say late game, a couple of years in, your energy bar is so huge, you can pretty much keep going all night without even eating food, which I'm not sure is that realistic. But uh, 
the other dark, sort of element of the darker underbelly I wanted to mention, and I think like I'm I'm really interested in in what you each uh, think about this. So I think some people would find some of this stuff a little impinging on this otherwise kind of cutesy, friendly, warm feeling game. Oh, absolutely. There's some kind of there's some social realism stuff in there, which actually does hark back to other JRPGs. Even those you know, with cutesy eight and sixteen yeah. graphics, famously they've often got these quite dark adult stories. Sometimes they were localized out of our versions, our Western versions back in the day. But we know that actually Japanese developers were always putting adult content in their in their cutesy games. This absolutely has some of that with uh, alcoholism and yeah. intermarital affairs and all kinds of shenanigans going yeah, on. Yeah, that um, I, I was joking before about about how I married Penny all three times, but um, she has a like a, a particularly compelling relationship with her mother, Pam, who is an alcoholic. Yeah. So like, and and the way that it's like kind of, we say dark underbelly. I think that that's like a really good way to put it because one of the first quests I remember getting like in the mail, I get a mail for uh, uh, like a letter from Pam and she's like, I'd like an IPA, please. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. You know? And so you, you get your keg and you want to get, you know, get the thing and make her a beer. But as you level up those social bonds with either one of them, you see that like, there's a real abusive relationship there under the, uh, under yeah. that service. And there's alcohol abuse and there is like, poverty and socioeconomics and, and like and like so to the point where like a couple of those scenes like i wouldn't say that like i was like real like emotionally reeling from them but like like hey i was just i was just on my way to see you know if my crab pots had you know stuff in them uh overnight and then all of a sudden i, I enter this cut scene that has like this heavy emotional weight to it um i could definitely yeah, it's a juxtaposition isn't yeah it? i could definitely see that if not like if not throwing people completely off like there there were some times where it was it was more than a little jarring to see that kind of uh, right next to the kind of you know oh i need you know a 10 perfect parsnips for my community center or whatever so the thing that always got me is how poorly everyone treats linus like yeah he's yeah. just out there yeah. trying to do the best he can he's um he was one of the first friends i made like he just yeah, seemed same. nice for sure. yeah yeah and you know i i enjoyed foraging a lot like i mean it's pretty easy you just walk over and pick stuff up but even digging things up from underground and he'd always be somebody that i'd have something in my pocket to give something to and so you know ironically kind of of anyone in the town he was probably the one that i was closest to because i always had gifts that he would accept but yeah everyone there's i don't know if it really brings into focus whether he's living that lifestyle out of necessity or because mm. he kind of chooses it as like a way of does um okay. actually yeah. yeah if you yeah. if you keep talking to him um you will get uh, a scene eventually where you can invite him to live with you i don't think you can have like a, mm -hmm. a romantic relationship with him i don't think that's a thing that that comes i up. don't think so either but you can i i I don't recall what the friend level was. It might have been his his like maximum level. Mm -hmm. But um, if you talk to him, you know you the the carpenter who um, I'm sorry, what's what's her name? I'm, Robin. I'm blanking. Robin. Thank you, Robin. Yes. So you will kind of go out there uh, and and enter that area, and Robin is out there as well. You know, you're you're talking with both of them, and he kind of he's very uncomfortable in the situation and you can like, they make that pretty clear. And that's also something that you pick up on when, when like there are special events in the town, like he's always there, but he's always kind of mm -hmm. off to the side. And if you talk to him, he'll say things like, Oh, I don't think they want me here. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I don't think I'm welcome when, and, and like even early on, he'll say things like people throw rocks at my tent. Sometimes I just don't know if I can trust you. And that's just, 
that is heartbreaking. Yeah. But but yeah. but when you talk to him after you've uh, gotten a little bit closer to him and made friends with him, you can say, hey, do you want to come live on my farm and, and just hang out here? And he says, well, you know, you don't really have to try and help me. Like, I, I'm out here by choice. This is my this is how I choose to live. You know, this is how, what makes me happy. And this is what what I'm comfortable doing. Uh, and he'll turn you down, which I, I mean, I, I think that that's that's really interesting because, I mean, a, a lot of games, what would happen there would be the goal would be, hey, look at me. I'm such a good person. I got this homeless man to come live with me. Right. But, yeah. but that's not that's not the case here. I mean, I sat there and I thought about it for a while because I kind of thought that he might say no. But, you know, in the end, I said, because I had a, a cabin built on my land that nobody is using right now. So I'm like, well, you know, if nobody's using this. He might as well have it if he wants it. So I said, hey, do you want to come live with me? And he said, mm, no. And actually, that kind of makes me really uncomfortable. So, uh, yeah, they, they yeah. do actually go into that, which uh, is, interesting. is interesting. And another sort of more serious aspect of the game's story and scenario is the is this trade off between the uh the the kind of the obvious main big overarching quest that you're given other than make your farm nicer and uh workable is this community center which takes a lot of work it's got six rooms i think it is mm -hmm. each with multiple quests that need to be fulfilled some of which are quite uh tricky to get some of which where you can miss the elements for an entire year if you don't get the the item when it's in season unless you go to the passing caravan or the the special uh, night market that comes in winter all this stuff but there's this you've got you've got there's a, the the cozy little local shop where the prices are a bit higher but you've also got the the Joja Mart which is uh very much you know, it is a Walmart like or Asda like kind of shop, but it's it, even by those standards, it's especially antiseptic. There's a feeling that it's almost got a kind of you can sign up to its kind of membership scheme, which kind of makes you feel like a some kind of cultist. I'd almost I'd almost forgotten that the game actually starts with you bored with life at a desk in a kind of droney office job. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, you actually you take the bus or you get the letter and you take the bus to, to Stardew Valley and, and start your new life there. But you can. What's interesting is Eric Baroni put in the opportunity to rather than just go with the community center quest, you can actually reject that and kind of sign up with the Joja Mart and, and go that way if you want to. You have I was to, to get say the platinum a, trophy. Ooh. You have to, oh, you have to do true? both. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I looked oh, okay. into it and there are a few real <laughs> nasty achievements in there. So I don't think I'm going to do it. But yeah, right. one of them is that they want you to go through hmm. both sides of it. So. Okay. And I was going to say, like, anti-corporate is, is probably something that you could say fairly comfortably and confidently about the game. But I was thinking anti-capitalist, I'm not so sure, because actually, unless you, I mean, you can be a very social-hearted person and a social-hearted farmer, but it's still, to do well at the game, you still ultimately turn a profit on everything. And if you certainly if you min-max the game and make a spreadsheet, you can make insane amounts of money <laughs> for very little, you know... Uh, you, it's very much mm -hmm. a, a kind of capitalist enterprise just because it's a farm in a pretty city doesn't uh, you know in a little village doesn't mean it's not this uh, very calculated um, kind of yeah. uh, you know fiscal I don't know I wonder if you could do that though. like if you could just kind of not buy and sell things for the most part but just kind of mm. go off of foraging and and building your own yeah, making your you own could, food I don't know you could certainly 
You could be somebody's probably we, done we, it. We discussed this early. You could, if you never had, uh, if you never decided to even keep animals, like there's no meat production in this game. It's all uh, wool and milk and and cheese and and things like that. And, and, dinosaur and rabbit and, and, ra- and rabbit rabbits self sacrificing their feet for you. Yeah, they give <laughs> it's up. It's fine. Their feet. They have so many. <laughs> it's a peculiar bit, but yeah, you could you could pl- you can certainly play this game as a as a vegetarian or vegan. Or the, though, as with Breath of the Wild, you will be missing out on some of the the heartiest meals. <laughs> but there's some lovely super salads and things like that. You know, talking about the writing of the game, I think it's it's really nicely done, and I found that it was quite organic. That I found myself after a while, almost a realistic amount of time. Although I should say, going into the game, I assumed that the seasons would be about three months of thirty days each. In fact, a season is kind of twenty eight days, uh, exactly twenty eight days. In fact, um, so when you first start playing, don't plan around. <laughs> for uh, four, se- four, three month seasons, because uh, you won't get it. But I did find that at the up to the point I've got, I'm kind of building a relationship with Emily. But we're not there yet, and that's kind. Of, you know, I've been there two years. That actually seems fairly like realistic. Um, there's a few elements of her personality that I could do without, like the whole crystals thing. <laughs> you know, it's not really me. But uh, but I like her. I like her free spiritedness and her. You know. Positive attitude and her blue hair is cool. Yeah, her blue hair is great. Yeah, no, could 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 still work out. Interestingly enough, it seems like some characters, even if they are available for relationships, will build relationships with each other if you don't. Uh, mm. Because I got, um, I, I made friends with the blacksmith, Clint, and um, he yeah. will tell you about the crush he's had on Emily forever yeah. and yep. will actually ask oh, her yeah. out with your oh, assistance. No, yeah. So you are I got involved um, in that. Oh, no. I think I've got a whole Cyrano de Bergerac thing going on. I just realized. You might. I mean, no. Speaking about um, about comparisons to Animal Crossing, like I brought up in the intro here, like this is one of those really interesting points of diversion, not necessarily in marriage, but in the fact that like every villager here does have like a unique written, you know, handcrafted story yeah. that they kind of go yeah. like their their lives evolve throughout the year. You do get some weirdness as you start to kind of round the corner onto year two and year three and start to find that they just kind of repeat their yearly schedules again. But, um, but you know, it's interesting that with Animal Crossing, every animal, each of their personalities and each of their, like everything that they say feels very mechanical, very procedural because it draws, you know, based on a few factors kind of randomly selecting uh, from... A, a whole set of pre-written lines that are all meant to be relatively interchangeable, just kind of reacting to a few basic parameters of the weather, of, you know, how many gifts you've given them in the past, of other types of... But they don't, you know, they, they feel very, uh, very much like they don't really have like a long-term memory about their own lives. They don't have like a sense of trajectory over like if they're actually going anywhere in life they just seem very content with like living day to day which is great but but it's just so interesting to compare that you know where every animal feels very um just you know feels very in and of the moment versus stardew valley where every character you know apart from some weirdness when again when the years repeat but every character feels like they're really like a fully fleshed out person with like mm. real struggles, really real personality quirks, real real preferences. It's it's it, you know I I kind of wonder if this kind of thing 
like in the long run could work in Animal Crossing. Like they might have to pare mm-hmm. back the number of animals yeah. that they allow to move into the island. Or, I mean, certainly sales numbers of New Horizons means that they must have an influx of cash. And if they really wanted to handwrite stories for all of these animals, like they could certainly afford to in the next game. But yeah, move it on to the next level. But, you yeah. know, it, it's interesting. It just like it seems like there are kind of benefits of of either style um i think I, I i even have kind of a hard time determining which one i like better but i was very intrigued as i started to see kind of behind the curtain as more of these stardew villagers started um you know making their their struggles and personalities more obvious and we should say for those who haven't played the game but are intrigued by all this human stuff that we've already talked about this isn't uh crusader kings 3 or massive chalice you're not building dynasties and legacies here real time isn't really a thing in the sense that you know people don't age and 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 whatever although you know i don't think i don't know what happens when you have kids presumably they you know they they're not they don't turn don't into know, adults i don't know yet I, I think they might turn into uh, bigger kids but i'm not sure about right. that it, it's i haven't i haven't put enough time into having a kid yet Who knows? it's just the like mysteries. i said it's yeah. literally just a baby it i've never seen it do anything but sleep so so past vincent and jazz (laughs) oh god i don't know so like what if what if they hook up with vincent and or jazz Mm. (laughs) (laughs) the the farthest i got with a kid was basically the kid became um like like toddler maybe like like elementary middle school age somewhere in that range kind of hard to define and they basically and this could sound terrible they basically just became like a second pet on the farm like like every morning i wake up i find where they are yeah i i click the button there'd be a heart and then there'd be one line of dialogue and i'd have a little check mark next to them all right See you later. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go. I mean, go. that's that's yeah. part of my morning routine is, you know, I go I go <laughs> around the little <laughs> island. I picked the uh, the the river farm. Um so I've got like a little island where my barns are. I go down there. I click on all of the animals so I get the heart yep. and, and click on the cat. <laughs> click on the husband <laughs> a couple <laughs> of times. <laughs> that's me talking to my cows in the morning. I also have chickens the- and void chickens and dinosaurs. You can have dinosaurs. Indeed. Oh, I don't have a dinosaur. I do have an evil uh covid-looking Chicken. I have a couple of those uh, too. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, that 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 neatly takes us to the, this element of the game that you could you could put in the darker underbelly side, or you could actually say it's in the it's in the sort of JRPG kind of area. But for whatever reason, the game has, as well as having social realism, depression, alcoholism, uh, corporate superstores, and whatever else, it also has witches and goblins uh, and kind of general spooky goings on. One of the first things that. Uh, perhaps struck us i think josh commented on it on our slack channel was there's one of the i think there's each uh, season each of the four seasons has two different kind of events festivals with uh, yeah they've got various uh, little interactive elements one of them is uh, a dance and suddenly the game appears to go all uh, folk horror it's like uh, it's wicker man it's midsummer i don't think it's, it's supposed um, to be scary like that but it is i have some screenshots of that too i have, i should write a blog entry about this the game has a creepy uh, a little scary the, i mean the, the even just when the day night cycle kicks in I, I know i suppose it's a bit like minecraft in that respect in that the game suddenly feels like even though you're not in any major danger unless you throw yourself into the mines the deep parts of the mines suddenly like there's just certain sound effects and things that give off a slightly haunting creepy creaky atmosphere yeah for sure 
there um you mentioned that there are you know wizards and ghosts and and all of those kinds of things mm. i i think i i think this might this might be a uh a new patch thing i haven't messed with it but um you can i believe turn on an option that will allow monsters to spawn on your farm right. yeah yeah i don't i don't want that i'm good but um <laughs> yeah. but I'm yeah scared. i mean there, there are there you can you can go down through these mines there are places where you can get skeletons you know there's a, there's a second set of mines um i just got to um this is another um new patch thing um if you fix willie's boat for him uh he mm, will take you an island yeah he will take you to an island i haven't been there yeah i i, I just I got so, there today i am so mad about this oh, wow. i'm so it mad seems, so i haven't gotten anywhere really with it yet because it seems like it's almost a puzzle to open up whatever it is that's there so i've only oh, really okay. spent one kind of in-game day there um picking up golden walnuts and giving them to parrots um Holy moly. yeah um but yeah there's a whole other section out, out there I, I don't know what it's all about quite yet it's kind of creepy when you get there um because everything's kind of dark and uh there's lava monsters Does he really need an creepy, iridium yes. anchor could he not just use an, an iron anchor that would be a lot i was easier. fine with that and then, like, it downloaded the update, and I was so excited, and I went, and I had, I just upgraded my house to the final level of my house, and he's like, hey, yes. I need 200 pieces of hardwood, and I had just, oh, all my so mahogany find, trees, yeah. I had just chopped down, yeah. and I had, I had literal one piece of hardwood, so now I've just been going through the days uh, getting the 12 every day from the Secret yep. Force. We haven't actually talked about the graphics yet, uh, the pixel art of Eric Baroni. Uh, who likes it? I do. <laughs> I think it looks quite nice. Yeah, I think the character portraits are a little hit and miss, but um, the actual like yeah, world very itself is great. I, that's what I was going to say. Like, I really like it. It's incredibly easy to tell everything apart, pretty much. You know, even there's like big eggs and small eggs, and uh, you know, different different stuff like that. The the fact that there's all these different plants in there and fish, and yet you can pretty mm. much tell them apart. I think is really impressive. The only thing is. I think that obviously he's gone for a look which is uh, supposed to be redolent of Super Nintendo and it is to an extent and obviously uh, it was a game built on PCs in the early 2010s but the yeah things like the character art does not look like Japanese character art and I I guess that's deliberate but it there's the overall look of the game like even stuff like the way the water animates and stuff like that doesn't look authentic to Harvest Moon but then he possibly was never going for that but i think the the i think particularly like the uh, particularly like the glow around um you know i i wear the whole game i wear one of the rings you can wear mm -hmm. is a glowing uh, a ring enable, enabling you to see in the dark and i always wear that and just i love i love the the palette change to the world as as the night kicks in and stuff like that i really like the um i'm not even sure what you call them ambient animations is the way i wanted to say it but that might be dumb but basically the the seasonal animations that just like it really anywhere you are standing on the map whether you're up in the mountains or you're in pelican town or you're um you're on the farm like everything mm. has a very natural motion to it whether it's just the pixel animations of the of the of the trees swaying or or the cherry blossoms falling or um you know, like in the in the fall, particularly a lot of days are windy and just like the way that kind of sweeps across and helps convey like further sell you on the fact that this is this season and, and like the way the sun sparkles off the water, but only in summer, like stuff like that. It's um, mm. it's just really well done and, and, and 
at, at a level of detail that I find surprising not to go back to the first piece of correspondence, but like I, I realize it's not a completely one man job and the fact that he had support in making the game. But the fact that one person made all of those animations, it's like oh, it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like overwhelming to think about that mm-hmm. you know um and uh and yeah 10 years yeah, exactly <laughs> um but yeah it's it's really it's really special i think that um the the way that leon i know you and i have talked about this a lot in the past in fact i think we talked about it on the secret of mana show like the way mm-hmm. that just like color palette and music alone can convey season in in such a way that it's just like and there's there's like science behind it and everything but in this game i think it, the animations and and the art style goes even farther to really driving home that this is a a world that you're that a lived in world that's constantly changing and and just the way like little like things pop up from day to day it's just i don't know it's it's all very pleasant in a very satisfying way for me. I, I never, never got tired of any of the seasons. And, and just when you, I was thought I was ready for winter to end all of a sudden it's the, you know, winter 27. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh wait, yeah. I've got stuff to do. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it works really well. Environmentally. It also does a really great job of hiding things in plain sight. Um, you see games like mm. uh, Zelda and animal crossing again, where like interactable objects, even before you have the tools to interact with them, you can kind of clock them and you'd be like, okay, when I get yes. the hook shot uh, or whenever, like, I don't, you know, if it's a new Zelda game, I might not need what I need or I might not know what I need to interact with that object, but I know that it is a special mm. object that I'll need to come back and interact with at some point in this game. Like, yeah. I feel like oftentimes I would discover interactable objects and be surprised because I was like, oh my gosh, I've been seeing that everywhere. And I hadn't even clocked that I was like anything mm-hmm. Yeah, like the first thing that first time that I discovered that those little like wriggling worms coming out of the ground <laughs> meant that I should be digging mm, there. Yeah. I was an embarrassing amount of time into the game of, uh, I think I yes, was in I'm winter, w- yeah. the first winter before I figured <laughs> oh, wow, that okay. out. It was late. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, yeah, there's a whole appreciate that. thing with museum that we haven't even mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think what helps, uh, yeah, as Brian said, what, what sells everything, I'm thinking about the footsteps on the snow and all that kind of stuff, just the ambient sounds of wind and birds and things like that. But I think for me, even more impressive than the pixel art is the particularly the diegetic audio, the, the sound effects throughout, like every one seems to be exactly as I'd have chosen it. Every pop of the menu, every clunk of the, the, the pickaxe on stone, uh, every swoosh of the, the scythe, it just all absolutely just like there's none of those sound effects. I think, oh, I wish, wish he'd chosen a different noise there because I just, yeah, I think the... I think it's spot on. Fishing one's a bit odd. I want that fishing alert turn <laughs> so badly as a as a text alert. I just the one the one that says you've caught a fish. It's time to reel it in. That like beep beep. It's, right. I I want that and I can't yeah, yeah, find yeah. it. I'm gonna have to keep looking. <laughs> I believe in the menu now, and I don't know if this was an addition. There are multiple fish yeah, alerts. That's a one point five available. Thing. Right. Well, <laughs> wow. I I do love like like that, that first time. I can remember specifically. And normally, I don't have this much like tied a, a memory to a sound effect. But I remember I was playing with headphones on, and my uh, very early on on the laptop, my wife was sitting next to me. The first time I took a geode and it, and he and he hit it open. It wasn't just coal or ore. It was like a <laughs> yeah. special donatable gem and that little kind of like that little trilly chime that plays. And like I yes. like literally laughed out loud and grinned. Like it's like it's just like it's like just wonderful. Yeah. It's just like ah, oh, it was just yeah, fantastic mm. stuff. And the soundtrack. Uh, I think we've had a number of requests. We've probably played a few tracks from it on our sister podcast, Sound of Play. 
Uh, and again, there's a sort of it leans into it, it could sound like almost like a Super Nintendo soundtrack, but it doesn't quite. But uh, I think, again, some of this music is so atmospheric. Mm. Uh, Deadbeat Punk from the forum says the music has that quality of not becoming obnoxious, despite how many times it loops. Safe to say I was won over by the little plips and plops of harvesting crops completely. And I will say that in the 83 hours I've played of this, I did uh, play uh, some of it with podcasts on just because I've got a heck of a bunch of podcasts that I want to listen to. Um, but I would always have the sound still on in the background. You know, I would quite happily go back every once in a while and go between obviously 83 hours is a lot of time, but I was, it was always putting the headphones back on was always a pleasure rather than thinking, Oh no, not this tune again. Some of them are really quite melancholic as well. Yeah. The fall tunes. Yeah. No, I was just I was just agreeing with Lee and I said the fall tunes specifically mm-hmm. have like a real downtrodden feel. Achy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, an ache. It has that nice thing of not over over egging the pudding, as we put it. Like the music only mm-hmm. kicks in when it's really needed. And for the, a lot of the game, there will be no music. Like you'll just be hearing yes, the atmospheric yes. sounds. And that's really nice as well. And it makes the music feel a little bit more special. Um, I think that the the music like it, it feels like inconsistent not necessarily like in a bad way but like like in games like undertale like it feels like there's very much like a driving personality to the music of that Uh soundtrack whereas in this game it feels like it's really kind of drawing from um if not different artists then you know entirely different moods Mm. and soundscapes and stuff like that like i felt like Mm. tracks here and there almost could come from different games yeah i know what you mean not a criticism though it's quite nice I get the impression because I agree with you on that. I get the impression that he wanted both the seasons and the areas yeah, to be yeah. very distinct from one another. There's one particular song that plays in town that every single time it would come on, it was a very similar chord progression, kind of a light acoustic guitar to the uh, the save game music from the original GameCube Animal Crossing. Every single time that that song played, I would whistle the little <laughs> song that... Uh, the little whistle line above the Animal Crossing save music and it it fits. <laughs> and so I wonder if since these games are so similar, if that was like a little homage that, you know, kind of copying that chord progression, but uh, maybe it was just kind of a great minds think alike type of moment. You into the music, Leah? Absolutely. Yeah, I I agree that that it a lot of it is kind of divergent from each other. Um, but given that some of the things that you do in the game are divergent from each other, like being in a mine versus, you know, petting your cows or whatever, I think that it 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 works for me that that they are so different because they do still fit together it's just that they have different feels to them and yeah that's fine yes the uh the we should say as as melancholic as that autumn uh, piece on the farm is the the summer <laughs> the summer pieces are uh, equally kind of joyous and and vibrant carl the frog from the forum agrees says the music is beautiful and i highly recommend the piano arrangements by pally and matthew bridgham and augustine mayuga gonzalez it has become an instant nostalgia tickle for me. I understand that. Like, yeah, where a piece of music can make you feel nostalgic, even when it's relatively new to you. Talking about the gameplay, then we're already obviously well into the <laughs> well into the running time of this podcast, um, and there is so much to talk about with this game. So we're going to jump off some of the the bits of blurb to kind of just spark us into thinking about things that you do in the game. Uh, I suppose the the overall 
thing is 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 your player approach is is going to affect your experience one of the first things i asked leah because i i felt exactly the same as ryan like there's it's almost the game i found intimidating at first yeah there's so much possibility and you feel underpowered and under equipped even though this game we should say it gives you your your uh, your most basic tools from the off there is no degradation of tools so it doesn't have that survival game technique of making you you know constantly find new equipment you know repairing your equipment or anything like that so it's again it's quite gentle to the player in some ways but there are you're shown a lot uh even just a a walk around all the locations of the village that you can get to at first feels like ah so big there's i've just got this little axe and there's all this wood and, and i've got this scythe and there's all this grass everywhere and i don't own any all i've got is a little hut i've got no buildings i've got no animals and then i immediately realized that you could min max the living heck Mm -hmm. out of this game and I, i suspect it's possible with planning and experience and understanding of every kind of element of the game's uh in game currency and and um financial machinations you could probably get yourself very rich by fall year one if you do if you do it absolutely optimally but i didn't play it like that at all and i i I did it very much by feel just like i'll do what i feel like today and there were certain things that i found i had a sense of duty that i needed to do such as the completely pointless thing i know leah did as well which is filling the pet's water bowl outside That's, you, get you, a, get point, you get a pet you get grandpa points on? for that. If your pet loves you, you get grandpa points. So it's not completely useless. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean, um, me- and, mechanically, it's yeah. useless. Like you, you don't have to pay any attention to any people. You don't have to pay attention to your pets. You don't have to pay attention to basically anything you don't want to, which is liberating and scary at the same time, because I did basically the same thing. Like I got into a little bit of everything and then kind of pursued yeah. different avenues as and when. And um, it turned out OK, but it took a lot longer than if I had, for instance, just chosen to mine turnips and that's it um or you know mine actual mines and and that's it you know i i tried i tried to kind of go along all of the paths and um yeah no i i I don't regret doing it that way but you're not gonna perfect anything uh for quite some time so by the end of year two i had like a deluxe barn and a deluxe coop and i had one of every at least one of every animal uh including a bunch of a bunch of cows as which is the correct collective noun and just one fairly modest field, a fairly scrappy kind of, I, I'm kind of pleased at my own lack of sort of OCD tendencies because it was all higgledy-piggledy and not very neatly fenced fenced and stuff like this. I'm looking at some people's farms online and it's just, it's like another world. It looks like the Eden Project or something. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Brian, I know you said like you've, you've got a, you ended up with an elaborate, uh, you know, high tech sprinkler system yeah. for, for your fields and all this kind of stuff. So does that, does that mean you, do you find your tendencies are make everything neat and just oh, so? No, no, not at all. Um, okay. I, uh, Basically, the like if you if you're looking at the the farm proper, the way they set it, the, the kind of wherever they they set you. Um, I, I have my my field to the south, and I have my silo and my coops together, and I have my my greenhouse okay. redone. But then basically Similar. anything to the bottom left of my area is just untamed wilderness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like okay. it's just grown. And I honestly, that's one of the things I love most about the game. Like I. 
I kind of really would like when I'd wake up in the morning and I get that little pop up that says, you know, the growing weeds have damaged your farm. And I'd have to come out and be like, all right, well, what do I have to cut back? And well, I got to replace this cobblestone path here. Like, oh, this piece of fence is breaking down. Oh, yeah. So if you don't if you don't actually cut the grass or um, or the trees down around Mm. you, like like uh, an oak tree could drop an acorn and then like a a small oak could start growing on your like on your actual crop. And then it, it could it could push up like your cobblestones and things like that. And I I mine was always very much oh, of right. i set up a bunch yeah. of um plots and then i and i i really like the iridium sprinklers i worked very hard to get those um because they, <laughs> they do because tw- i hate watering i don't know why but um it so they do 24 squares at once so i ended up with like 10 iridium sprinklers so basically i just had like so 240 pieces of land that i could just have seeds yeah. in and not worry about and and kind of yes. it's worth putting the work in early yeah. to, to get the results mm-hmm. later yeah. whereas I, I didn't even realize about holding the action button down for longer mm. until half uh, halfway through year yeah. two to water b- bigger areas oh, i didn't either <laughs> i'm i was three years in when i figured that out i.e today yeah, I, I stuck with manual watering for way longer than I probably should have. Um, everything is automated now. Yeah. Um, but but that's that, I think that's kind of cool. Like you, you you can go directly to the automation if, if that's what you want to work towards. I yes. kind of put that on the back burner. Um, I got, you know, you get a um, you can purchase things that you can put in your barns that will uh, gather, you know, the wool and the eggs and everything for you. Um, so I went for those and then I, you know, put sprinklers. Oh, those things are... Yeah, they're very yeah, nice. Yeah, the auto grabber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 25,000 gold, which seems like when you first start the game and yeah, like I love that thing you said, Leo, like we, was it what you said? We, day one of oh, that, yeah. Stardew Valley <laughs> one of my most is, popular tweets ever considering, uh, <laughs> which oh, is really? weird, yeah. but um, yeah, no, it's like, you know, in your, in your first month or hour one is uh, just looking for wheat or looking for wood and, and stone. And then hour 50 is, you know, getting your void mayonnaise to go into the sewers and stopping back Back on the way from the mines to drop off a gift to the goblins and yeah it's uh it's it escalates um but but really that does, ramp yeah. really works for me though i i yeah. i, I yes. think that's pretty yeah. obvious by now but um it but was, yeah the, it it uh it did good things to some part of my brain that is very into that yes well, one of the things that I saw Ryan say on Twitter, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, was that like this game just has so much game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so much game yeah, there. And, sure. and whatever yes. avenue you decide to go down, like like I think my, my first time playing through the game, um, I just I love fishing in video games. Like I like at every JRPG that has fishing, like mm. the amount of hours I spent in Dark Cloud 2 just like fishing and fishing. Oh, my gosh, brother. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we could have, <laughs> yeah, we could have a conversation. Oh, uh-huh. my God. Um, but but so I, I just decided to go on that path i'm like oh i'll upgrade my rod i'm like oh this rod can have tackles and bait wait i can get bait how do i get bait i'll go to the mines i'm in the mines oh i found an earth crystal can i donate that like it's just like it's just it's you can just tick off like you know knock over one domino and the next thing you know you're off in four different directions that is precisely it and suddenly it's 1 a.m and you're exhausted and you haven't fed your yeah and it you know it's 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 interesting because i understand how that can be overwhelming i've played games where i that have bounced off because it's overwhelming i think that the, the reason this particular game worked for me despite having all those things and all those directions you go do and not having like a like a focus is the fact that the game is just so non-threatening 
that like it really didn't make me feel like whatever I did, if I just took a whole day to like clear off part of my farm or if I took a whole day to try to get to level 100 of the mines, mm. like like I never felt like I was wasting time, yeah. you know, like it's like there's no what, real consequences for yeah. not doing something like you might right. miss out yeah. on something, but you'll pretty much always get another shot at it. Like if it might take you another year, but, you know, if you really want to do it, you can. Well, they actually say that in the first flower dance. So I think I think it's called the flower dance. I should know that um, mm-hmm. in That's spring. The, yeah. The yeah, so, wicker man thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The midsummer, you know, um, uh, flower. <laughs> uh, so I remember the first time I did that and I come in and it's like, you know, I'm trying to find a dance partner. Everybody's like, nah, we don't we we have no idea who you are. Like, you, are you've you? been here for a month and you haven't you talked to anybody. So you smell a fish. And <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. You, you and Willie have been hanging out down on the beach. I don't know what else going on. But so so I remember talking to Mayor Lewis during that event and he's like, he's like, I oh, don't worry about it. This flower dance next year, you'll know everybody. You'll have somebody to dance with. And I kind of just was like, mm. oh, yeah, like, like, yeah, this is going to happen again. This is like a community event that happens every year like it, you kind of start getting that sense of oh just do the things you want to do and and there's enough yeah. of that there to just kind of sustain you and propel you into areas like i never didn't think like i thought not to keep going on sorry but like i never thought the combat was that good and i like thought mm-hmm. oh well, i'm not gonna really go in the mines and then next thing it's you know very I need- basic yeah yeah, but next thing you know, you it's need simple, these materials. But it feels okay. Yeah. So like, then I ended up getting really into it, and then I unlocked the adventurers Things guild, and I'm just like, oh, like it just it's just more and more examples of just opening doors that open more doors, and so on and so forth. Ryan, what kind of farmer are you? Are you a very neat and tidy min maxi spreadsheet kind of farmer, or are you a I'm I imagine you as a kind of Huckleberry Finn <laughs> kind of guy living in this life, like just heading down to the river to catch some fish and then maybe. Make some cheese if you yeah, feel more like or less, it. Actually, I was very, uh, very lackadaisical. As I mentioned in my intro, I wanted to just play this in the way that felt most honest to myself as a player. I found the activities that I enjoyed doing early on. I enjoyed fishing, so I did spend quite a quite a bit of time fishing. I think, I mean, one thing about the fishing is that, like, I kind of wish that the like pool of fish that you would be fishing up is a bit bigger and you'd have a little bit more variety because catching like six of the same thing in a row is uh it can get a little demoralizing in a way um even kind of like yeah there's multiple bodies yeah, of water though yeah, with certainly. different with different ecosystem yeah, in yeah but uh, i i enjoyed the fishing i think this is a pretty good fishing mini game actually um and then i enjoy yeah. the uh the mine traversal and so i that was one of my yes. like the first thing that I fully completed was getting to the bottom of the mine. And then, of course, that opens up, yeah. you know, the the desert and or maybe that's uh, maybe that's unlocked through the community center and then has a related mining quest there as well. Yes, and then there's that's the right. Quarry, yeah, you have to, like, get the key, with a, yeah, in the quarry, but then you have to unlock the bus through the community center and gets the whole thing. It's yeah, one of yeah. the big things. And there's an adventurer's guild and they keep track of everything you kill. And I have no idea what happens if you kill. Yeah, they just like, give you the, stuff. All the monsters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the guy in the rocking um, chair just says like, "Hey, nice work there, you know, Demon Slayer," and then gives you some stuff. But yeah. okay, yeah, I haven't got to that stage yet. I mean, it's interesting. We've come this far in the show, and we haven't actually talked about other than me saying the combat feels good, even though it's basic. Like we haven't talked about the interface. I guess the game was designed originally with a PC, mouse, and keyboard in mind. Um, I've never obviously I've just played it on the the Switch uh, with a classic controller or handheld, and I think everything is uh, everything they did uh, in the console versions to 
to map it to a controller. I suspect the Steam version already supported controller uh, is all good, but it just like it it didn't even we haven't even mentioned like walking about and using the menus and doing the stuff running around because feels okay. I, yeah exactly like everything just feels good like uh, I I didn't I didn't have a uh, I guess some of the some of the sort of menu stuff may have been tweaked over the various versions and things like that but there's like a a handy quick sort button and which I putting, only found putting... today I did not know that oh, existed my I was I was scrolling over to the <laughs> to sort the sort button. button on the side and and clicking that I did not know that you could just uh, click the touchpad yeah. on the PS4 That's controller. true actually you can of course, there is a way of actually using a kind of mouse type interface, mm-hmm. isn't there, on the right analog yeah. stick, which I never did. I did occasionally uh, I, when I, I was like shortcuts. placing bits of furniture that I was having trouble getting where I wanted them. Right. Yeah, yeah, that that's the only sense. time I use yeah. that too. But yeah, for for the for the most okay. part, yeah, I, I felt like the um, the controller interface worked out pretty well. I didn't really. Everything miss just feels anything. slick and snappy. Mm-hmm. Like in and out, like sorting things, moving things, dropping things in and out. Like it's got this whole Minecraft-esque uh, menu and chests and things like this. But it it feels just as it feels just as snappy and slick as 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 those games and stuff like yeah the um your 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 basic functions of chopping and watering and and all that stuff. Just all it just all you'd think it would be straightforward, but I could imagine that again any of those things like with the sound effects he could have got them just annoyingly not right and again maybe they've been tweaked but for me all that stuff was kind of so seamless and pleasant to engage with that i didn't feel the need to kind of make a note and i must bring up the annoying way in which such and such happens because i didn't have any of those moments did anyone the only very 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 small criticism that i would have for the way that the game controls uh-huh. and actually i should note that i played this exclusively on pc and i used controller 99 percent right. of the time like i just I, okay. I think the controller works yeah. really really well for this type of game didn't find myself really hurting for the mouse and keyboard at any point Mm-mm. um but uh yeah. only very minor criticism is you have essentially like two use buttons w- with everything oh, that yeah, you're holding okay. in your hands and sometimes Sometimes I have a hard time keeping straight like which use button is the correct one to perform the appropriate verb that you want with whatever you're holding. And sometimes using the gotcha. wrong one yes. ends up like destroying or eating. Wasting or, an item. Like, yep. it, it performs a verb that like, without right. any kind of confirmation yeah. prompt or anything like that, which, you know, would be annoying if there were confirmation prompts when you did want to do it that way. But I would find myself accidentally using things in a consumable way that I intended to use in an alternate way yeah. and, and trying to kind of keep those two um, those two buttons straight was a little confusing from time to time. John Cheatham uh, says, I realize there are people who play this with spreadsheets. Check out the Reddit to be amazed in order to run the most efficient farming empire possible. But to me, this is a game to muck about in and relax with. It's a cup of Horlicks that opens my from my Switch menu. There's something very reassuring and relaxing about the lack of a lose condition. You never go bankrupt or starve to death. Presumably there's always something in the cupboard of that little cottage, and there's no punishment for doing very little throughout the day. Pottering around, watering some crops or something is a good way to wind down, especially when everything in the real world has such high stakes. Deadbeat Punk from the forum says, I loved the Harvest Moon series primarily on the Game Boy Color. 
I must have left a trail of AA batteries that weighed triple my body weight. As the series went, I became less involved. It felt like the farming simulation was taking a backseat to the dating and romance elements. So I fell away from the series after being unimpressed by A Wonderful Life, but would periodically replay older titles in the series to get my fix. Stardew Valley featured frequently on several forums during its development. Shamefully, I ignored most of the buzz about the game. I bought it on early access, willing to give it a go, but with zero expectations. I smashed rocks, picked weeds and chopped wood, smiling like an idiot to be back at the virtual farm life. I ventured into town, meeting my new neighbours and getting my bearings. By the time I thought to check my watch, it was four in the morning. That's real time. Of course, it made more sense to simply stay up and go to my real work two hours later at that point. The game has a great uh, has great balance, which can make or break a simulation. You will succeed at farm life no matter what direction you choose to go in. Fishing, mining, foraging, crops or cattle all reap great rewards. The freedom and relaxed methods of playing is a major draw. Planning out the layout of your farm gives it a brilliant level of customization. A nice side feature of this was people sharing pictures of their farms online, something akin to people sharing their islands on Animal Crossing. The villagers are an interesting bunch, and I was glad to get to know them better as time went on. The social aspect of most farming sims is what puts me off. I was glad that spouse chasing was a limited affair. The villagers having routines and favourite locations usually made them easy to find. In later updates, the characters all seem to gain extra scenes or lines of dialogue, deepening their characters slightly. A small but noticeable improvement. Wasted on me as I ignored the townsfolk in favour of fishing at the beach. Nighttime fishing remains one of the finest methods of escapism. However, I found Shane instantly charming. Opening with, I don't know you, why are you talking to me? He won me over instantly. This game was the pipe dream for a certain faction of niche players, the harvest moon we had been craving for 20 years. I love this game. Recently bought another copy for a friend just so we can start a new farm with the multiplayer update. I wish I had a transcript of the conversation convincing another person who lives in rural Ireland to play a farming game. Hope Eric Baroni makes a spiritual successor to the legend of the River King in the future. Maybe that's why I like Shane so much. He's basically just me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to Slightly say Slightly less alcoholic, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if uh if anybody else got to this part of the, the quest after you find that. You can also uh find the two you you can find secret notes, which is a thing that we didn't mention, uh, and one of them leads mm. you to look at a specific oh, yeah. bush in the town at a specific time of the night. Mm. And if you do, Marnie and Lewis jump out in different directions and go running away. Oh, so, oh uh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You can also get, I, I think it was in Marnie's uh, friendship line that, that I got this. You basically get a scene with the two of them and he apparently wants to keep their relationship a secret, uh, which I, I'm not yeah. 100% sure why, but um, they, they don't go into that. Maybe they do later. But um, but yeah, they, uh, they've definitely got a thing. They got a thing going <laughs> on. Sordid secrets of Pelican Town. Not that sordid. They just, they're, they're making it seedy. I think it excites Perhaps. them. Yeah. Exploring vast, mysterious caves. Well, you, yeah, you, as we said, you start off with what seems like one mine, which is big enough. It's 110 120. or 120. 120. Yeah. 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 Uh, each room is uh, not that massive, although they, they get bigger in size. Uh, you scoot around looking for a ladder down to the next level. Sometimes it's under a rock. Sometimes you need to kill things to expose it. Every fifth floor, this is a great example of the game being friendly. Every fifth floor... You can get to you can get back there via the elevator and 
after a certain amount of uh, achievement or time in the game, I can't remember what it is, there's a, uh, there's a little minecart system which helps you fast travel around. I also noticed, and again, I don't know if this is uh, an update thing, when you do finally get access to the sewer, the 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 fella down there is it the sewer? Yeah, it is um, because there's also the wizard who has certain perks available, I think. But the sewer guy, Krobus, <laughs> name. name is Krobus. Krobus, <laughs> of course, c- can sell you for two million gold, which I've never had all in one go yet, despite my burgeoning uh, cheese, artisan cheese, and uh, and jam making. For two million gold, you can get a instantly teleport home from wherever you are device, which I like the sound of. Has anyone no, picked that I up? I did Not yet. Uh, <laughs> on the Xbox version. I had that. And it's one of those things that's like it's one of those end game items where it's like if you can afford it, you don't actually need you it. You don't really need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's but it's it's kind of nice to like stay and stay in the skull caverns, like seeing how far you can go like until like one fifty a.m. and there's warping home and trying yeah. to sprint to bed so that you don't you get the penalty. <laughs> so it is kind of useful for things like that. Um, and you know, it's just one of those things. Like if you're playing that much of this game anyway, like why not try to get it? That it was it's almost at that kind of yeah. you know level of it. But um, but yeah, I guess one thing did surprise me. Although I haven't uh, got too far in the uh, the quarry. There, are there there's are there three mines in total one in the desert the quarry yeah, and the quarry the first mine one? is pretty small though it's kind of a yeah. one floor okay. like and there is a definite end yeah okay yeah. i haven't gone i haven't gone very How far you get the gold inside yeah yep. from a uh, statue of the grim reaper it's Ooh. one of my favorite yep. moments in the game <laughs> it's great <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty great. good <laughs> i need to go back there once i've finished dragon age 2 that's i know what i'm doing <laughs> that's that's excellent and so it's the one in the desert that is your nemesis yeah Ian, so right? the the issue with the really uh, with tough. the skull cavern is um it's not that i keep dying it's that there are no checkpoints like you mentioned that the mm-hmm. um The um, original cavern, the the original mines have a um, an elevator every five floors. Mm. Uh, There is a quest and I think a trophy, but I'm not I'm not sure about that. Definitely a quest that I have to get to level 100 of the skull cavern. Ooh, yikes. Which you have to do all in one shot, which is very difficult. Not only because yeah. of the uh, just the you know the the creatures that you run into are of course more difficult. I've upgraded all of my stuff at this point. I have yeah, what I think great. is the most powerful sword. It's the lava sword, um, mm-hmm. and I have yeah I got that. I have the yeah. best um, you know all of my my equipment is iridium now. So you know I mm. I have everything that I can have. It's just it's a time Apart from a hundred. It's omelets. a time thing. Yeah, uh, who's saying I don't know? Um, <laughs> it's it's a time thing. Like I run out of time. Yeah, because you can't even get to the desert finding... until like midpoint yeah. of the day. Yeah, you. So, the, the, I, I don't think yeah. the bus will leave yeah. until like yeah. ten. I think is 10, the, the yeah, earliest that you o'clock. can do. I I watched a video on this yesterday, and it's like I got to level three hundred of the skull camera. Like, how is that even possible? Ah, and, yeah. then, and then I and then I saw them. They had just built three hundred staircases before that's, they went. That's the way that I'm going. Like, I have yeah. it's that and oh. uh, bombs because bombs yeah, will bombs. blow yep, up a, a ton of the uh, the rocks. So if there's a uh, a staircase under a rock or better yet uh, the skull cavern has something that the regular uh, mines do not which is that sometimes you will find instead of a uh, a staircase you will find just a hole and a hole <laughs> can drop you anywhere from like three or four floors to like I think the, the most I had uh, was like 
12 or 13. Oh, uh, really? Oh, wow, that's it awesome. It will damage you, but it will never yes. kill you. <laughs> okay. uh, I dropped on seven floors, floors once, yeah. and I felt like I won the lottery. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yes. Like, yeah, uh, all right, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, most of the time, it's less. You're going to have taken less, more damage. Yeah, but- Doing yeah, it the yeah. traditional way, yeah. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that saves a lot of time if you're trying to, as I am, get to level 100. Have you looked up what the reward is for this endeavor? Uh, no. I, 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 it's probably not going to be worth it, but I don't care. I need to yeah. do it. <laughs> need. Yeah, sure. I'm just, you know, I'm building a bunch of bombs high, high um, to the monitoring that is now occurring since I said that. Uh, <laughs> building a bunch of bombs to go down into the mines and... Uh, you know, bombs and omelets. Bom- bomb- omelets. Bomblets, That's what you need. Yes. God. Bomblets. Many characters, uh, said Eric Baroni, are many in- characters in the game are inspired by people I've met in real life. In fact, one of the characters, I won't say which one, is almost entirely based on a person I know very well. Same name, personality, interests, and tastes. <laughs> Can speculate. Mark FM 007 from the forum says Stardew Valley is a game that gives you the freedom to choose your activities for the day without heavily punishing you for ignoring others. Different aspects of gameplay feedback on each other. So even time spent not achieving a goal is not time wasted. For example, trying and failing to catch a particular fish will still leave you with fish that can be used in recipes for health and energy given as a gift or just sold. Failures are self-defined and you can try again tomorrow. Pelican Town has charm and individuality. It's not a typical grid-based, cut-and-paste town. Familiarity through exploration and retreading old ground make it feel like home. The townspeople are similar, with different personalities and problems. The atmosphere is sweet and positive without being saccharine. Problems exist, but there is a sense of can-do and optimism. It's a comfortable personal experience that you want to come back to. The soundtrack is also wonderful and varied, adding a warmth and sense of fun to every moment. My personal favourite is Spring Wild Horseradish Jam, among many standouts. My favourite aspects of the game were restoring the community centre, getting to know the townspeople and marrying, and adding to or renovating my farm. I check in occasionally to continue work and mosey around. I have a few minor complaints with the game. Mining I don't enjoy, as the simplistic combat and digging for ladders is fairly tedious. Fishing and cooking are fine, but I have no motivation to engage with them. And while the dialogue and relationship events are really well done, the gift-giving mechanic is a bit limited. It would be nice to have a deeper system there. Overall, I have a lot of appreciation and love for this game and would recommend it to anyone, both as an enjoyable game and as a genuinely positive experience. It's an impressive achievement and the passion and hard work of Eric Peroni deserves all the praise it got. Thank you very much. The community centre, yeah, I think that's the thing that uh, while I wanted to get to the end of year two for the uh, Grandpa Judgy uh, situation, it felt like a, a kind of natural, not end, but uh, but a bit of closure for the, for my time with the game before the podcast. It was the community centre that I really wanted to get done before that happened. And I came very close because there were a couple of items that I did need to you know, source and identify, had to actually think about, strategize when when to get hold of them. And I got to say, I can't remember feeling more overjoyed about getting hold of items in a video game uh, 
in recent times. When my when my little bunny finally uh, donated me one of its feet, <laughs> its many many feet, uh, so that I could go back to the community centre and finally finish off that last bundle. I can't remember what the other thing I needed was now, but I just remember. Uh, I think it was the yeah the 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 sort of caravan, the 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 nice the friendly lady in the wagon that comes by the field to the south. Oh, are you referring uh, to the wagon that is being pulled by a pig wearing sunglasses and a fez? That wagon. <laughs> that that one. Yeah. I love I yeah. love that. <laughs> I think you can talk to the uh the animal in question. But yeah, it was just it was uh really compelling like um one of the things that I to bring it up again, the one of the things that I do really like about the most recent Animal Crossing compared to its predecessors is the amount of micro goals and gaminess that's in there compared to a lot of its predecessors. But um but the the community center was just this when when it first opened up and you first real engage with it, it looks utterly again like the game itself, utterly daunting. Like, what even is some of this stuff? Like, where do I, what's it? Sandfish? How do I get a sandfish? Uh, and all these fruits and recipes and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, and that yet yeah, there I was by the middle of year two, finishing it off. All these funny little woodland sprites. Spruce the place up, and um, there's a whole kind of cutscene, and uh, it brings joy back to the and town. Then they it was a run down. Quite literally, place. go. Our planet needs us, and peace out at the end. <laughs> yeah, that is true. They're very sweet. They're, they 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 remind me of uh, the yeah the Kodama from the Ghibli films or the um, the Neo game. In uh, I, th- I think they're a sort of slightly westernized sort of interpretation of that idea like forest sprites spirits uh, so you can like also that. have um only there you aliens. can also have the wizard build you a uh, a hut um that will house the uh the little the little fellas yeah on your farm and they'll work they for will you. collect your crops for you yes they will <laughs> ah, i saw that as well yeah that was what i was that was the thing i was trying to think of because i ended up around the back of if you go to see the there's a whole sequence of events isn't yeah. there so you you make gob- you make void man. <laughs> take, take us Go through on. it, Leah. Take us through okay, it. Okay, so take us, take us through you the have scene. to get into the sewers, and uh, once you get into the sewers, you can get a. Um, I'm not sure if you get the quest from Krobus or whether you just you find that there is a blocked um, path. But uh, in order to there, there is a spot in the sewers that you can't get to. And in order to have yeah. Krobus let you in there, you have to get a dark pendant from the wizard. The wizard gives you the dark pendant mm-hmm. after you go find his ex-wife who has stolen his magical mm-hmm. ink and is also a witch. <laughs> She's the one I think she's supposed to be the one uh, who creates the void chickens in your barn. Because you know the you get like this little cutscene at one... the night at night, and uh, there's a witch that that's flies it. over your barn, and then the next morning there's just void chickens. So I think and that's yeah, supposed to be her. To, yeah, she has a a goblin bodyguard who won't let you through unless you, bring him void you tempt him yes. away with special mayonnaise <laughs> uh-huh, that you get from from said void chickens. So you know it all ties together. Also. Can somebody tell me in hindsight what the hell happened on my farm that night when a thing landed, like a tank with something glowing inside it, and then and I left it there and it was kind of throbbing, and then one day I got up and the tank had broken and whatever inside had come out, and uh, I have no idea where that that didn't happen. Where that's that going. didn't happen to I, me. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. Well, now I have to keep playing Uh-oh. until that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what it did or why or how, but yeah, uh, like a 
alien Have you seen the thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I and I played a bit of keep, carrying uh, yesterday. Keep being friendly with those cows. That. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I did wonder about cows Don't getting. Don't make them um, mad. <laughs> I did wonder about cows getting UFO'd <laughs> uh, in a in a in a Majora's Mask style. There's so many possibilities. Yeah, I I 100 had no idea about that. So uh, yeah, that's crazy. Cool. I got I I almost. I almost don't want to look it up because yeah. it might ruin did, the magic. Did any of you get into the casino? No, no, but okay. I heard about so it. There's yeah, there's a there's a there's a whole secret quest line. That's not even secret quest, but I mean that it's like a secret note kind of quest line is what I mean. Which which will end in you getting a club card. So if you go to the shop in the desert, there's literally a, a like a bouncer standing in the yeah, back. Yeah, I hallway. talked to the bouncer, but he wouldn't let me in. Oh. There is a there is a quest that will allow you to get back there, and there's a there's a whole casino back there. <laughs> So interesting mini games and yeah, it's poker got there's, and there's two like, so there's got um uh like basically slot machines and like a version of blackjack they call calico jack huh. and high stakes mm-hmm. low stakes and then and then there's a bunch of there's a there's there's something you can buy back there for like a crazy amount of money i, I i'm i forget what it was but yeah it's just another example right. of like the you know, did you know this was here <laughs> type of thing? Yeah. And there's two video games in the bar. Yeah. So I, when I was uh, doing research to see if I was going to try and pursue the platinum f- trophy for this game, um, yes. I found that one of the uh, trophies that you have to get is to beat Journey of the Prairie King without dying. Yeah. So that's about when I abandoned Ooh. the idea that I was going to go <laughs> yeah. out for a, uh, yeah, I haven't even gotten so through it uh, yet. It's a game. It's cross between uh, uh, that that old Nintendo game with the cowboy. Uh, is it just called it? No, it wasn't called Outlaw, was it? Uh, Sheriff, maybe uh, the one that always gets used in in WarioWare, and it's cross between that and Smash TV, basically. And you're a little cowboy, and you go from room to room, top down twin stick shooter with power ups. Very playable, perfect. You know, it's it it works, it functions. It's more than yeah, just a novelty and yeah, a gimmick. Fun. It's enjoyable in its own right. Uh, time doesn't pass when you're playing it, unlike real video <laughs> games, if only. The other one I found almost impossible. It unlocks after a certain point. I'm not sure exactly when. It's a little one of the forest spirit type characters in a minecart, and it's a kind of auto-scrolling trials HD type of scenario. I think it's incredibly difficult. I can't tell whether it's randomly generated or not. I only played it like a couple of times because yeah, I had Procedure, I had I pretty much the same experience. Like I played it a few times, was really just unable to get the hang of what it was I was supposed to be doing and yeah. said, no, I'm good and and haven't been back to it. Madness. It's all in there. Next up, we have the Penske file from the forum who says Stardew Valley is a game designed to draw the player into a semi-meditative state of relaxation. Paradoxically, I find it quite stressful. (laughs) While there's no fail state driving you to maximise the output of your farm, my inner Excel spreadsheet has a very hard time playing the game and not constantly feeling like I could be doing better. However, the game does reward the Marie Kondo section of my brain, which enjoys decluttering and tidying, and the slow progression of abilities and items is excellently paced to keep you playing just one more day. I think it's a delightful game that keeps the player invested by making every day feel like an accomplishment, even if all you did was water your plants or catch a fish. But with the overwhelming number of possible activities, I personally find myself getting too wound up about missing something or not building up my farm to its min-max potential. But of course, that's all on me. I think most of us feel that pressure to an extent, but I think... The game does a good job of bringing you down from that mindset compared to a lot. Well, of the thing games. is, if you really want uh, to do all of that stuff, you can just keep going. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I am. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a whole museum thing that we uh, maybe briefly mentioned earlier, digging up stuff. Uh, I, I think um, my museum is about half full, maybe not even that. And I've been playing 83 hours. I guess some of the stuff is in the mines because mm-hmm. I've been digging up worms for for two years and I, I seem to have run dry. You <laughs> get a lot of the geodes that you find in the mine. Like eventually when you get deep enough in of the course, mines yeah. and especially in the desert mine, desert mine is just rife with omni geodes, which has like those have um, a chance of having yeah. like any collectible from any of the different types of geodes in them. So that that's where you really start building out your mineral kind of section of that collection. Um, but every few donations to the museum, you get rewards. There's also yeah books dotted around the town, missing missing books, which uh, gives you the kind of classic JRPG s- situation of standing up against a bookshelf and pressing a button to read a tiny bit of text about something that may or may not relate to your game or or the history of of Stardew Valley or Pelican Town. Rinse, wash, repeat from the forum says the best thing about this game is that there's always something to be doing and there's enough variety that you never get bored of one aspect of the game. Tired of dungeon exploring? Today, you need to harvest your crops. Bored of fishing? Now's the day you should go and forage then. Not since Civilization has a game had that one more go appeal. The only negative I've got is that the stamina gauge hampered me a bit too much and fussing with food and drink to keep going wasn't fun. I understand why it's there, but I would have felt the time limit would have been enough of a constriction to stop players running away with doing too much. That's it. I love this game. Do you think that's... I I I think I liked having both the time and the energy thing just to keep a sense of urgency I going. I, I, I could have I could have done without it. I think I, in the beginning yeah. it was it was a, a kind of an interesting thing, but like when you start going into the mines, you've also got a health meter. So at that point, kind of why do you need also the uh, the the stamina meter? I guess there are some kind of redundant mechanics, and especially late in the game your energy becomes less of a consideration anyways, and it doesn't really yes. seem to like greatly mm. affect the pace of like me going out and performing my tasks and still having to retire under, you know, the same kind of time frame, anyways. Like, yeah, I, I didn't feel like the game substantially changed when that was like essentially eliminated from consideration. So I don't know, maybe it could have done without. You can customize the appearance of your character, of course, uh, where you start off with a creator character type thing. But there is a, is it wizard or witch gives you the opportunity to re-respec your character in the traditional kind of add-on to a game kind of way that is now fairly commonplace. There's also, yeah, hundreds of decorative items. You can, for no gameplay benefit whatsoever, but in that Animal Crossing sort of mindset, you can just make your house kind of look nice how you want there's loads of different types of floors and uh, flooring and walls and furniture some of it's quite difficult to get hold of and expensive various items and and things and i didn't i thought i wouldn't engage with this at all but as it turned out as i kept coming across paintings and things like that i did start to uh you know just dot things about and then late game i i got a telephone which means you can call up the shops and find out what they've got in stock <laughs> and when they close and a calendar to tell you maybe I would have actually got around to giving people birthday <laughs> presents with a calendar and stuff like this. So yeah, home home becomes, and again, I, I guess for those players who just want to play this forever and nothing else, uh, all that stuff is, uh, is, is just gravy really. 
I put a large statue of a bear in my children's room. Yeah. I don't remember where the <laughs> where it came him. from. I think maybe I got it at the museum. I think maybe it was a when, a reward for donating stuff. <laughs> like yeah, there's yeah. just this there's there's a big plush bear and then there's a giant yeah. wood carved statue of a bear. So um <laughs> I hope the kid likes bears because he's gonna be terrified forever if he doesn't. I put a I put a wooden statue of a chicken right next to where I make my forty omelets a day. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. what I, I that's what I with my praise to the chicken god also somewhere i got um i I don't remember what it's called um it's got some kind of creepy name um like burnt offering is what it's called Uh, and it's like (laughs) it's like a triangular uh picture that's that folk horror again yeah it looks kind of well i was thinking pyramid head um but uh yeah it it just (laughs) it's in my kitchen i i didn't know what else to do with it so there it is stardew valley meets silent hill konami you don't uh know what to do with that ip this is the answer. I'd play it. <laughs> Multiplayer it, it got folded into the mix at some point. Four player farming. Invite one to three players to join you in the valley online. You can work together, share resources, build the farm together, improve the community. What I thought was really nice about this, and even though I've got no one who's going to want to play this with me, I put some cabins on my farmland anyway, just because I thought they looked nice and they come with the, you can buy them with a subsidy, which is nice. So they're like a hundred gold and a nominal amount of resources. Uh, So I can just, you know, theoretically have people to stay Uh, or perhaps I could Airbnb them (laughs) thinking about it. There you go. The month from the forum says, I first played this after I realized I wanted too much of an actual game out of Animal Crossing and was recommended this instead. It was a great experience. I know there's going to be some people in the forum who talk about how relaxing and peaceful this was, but I couldn't disagree more. The clock goes by so fast and there's always so much to do and I always forget to water the crops and give birthday presents. There's also no greater pain than wanting to marry your hot wife, but the rain man won't show up an entire month. Why do you need it to be raining? To because you get, get the mermaid pendant uh, from the man on the beach <laughs> oh, yeah. who only shows up when it's raining. And you have to, as, oh, as, and as okay. everyone knows, you have to give a mermaid pendant to your betrothed before they will uh, marry you. Maybe I'd feel differently about real life marriage if I had a mermaid <laughs> if pendant. If you had a mermaid pendant. It's basically a shell on a string. Like, I think this guy's ripping me off, but I guess that's <laughs> yeah, kind of realistic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the month continues. But I think the best part about this game is the power trip of the second year. Going in blind, I just kept losing again and again. And everyone in town hated me and no one would dance with me. And it was miserable. It feels so nice to go back and succeed at it all in year two with a beautiful farm to impress grandpa with. Main goal of 2021 is replaying this game co-op on some e-dates in lockdown or not being in lockdown. Lovely stuff. Mauricio MM says, when not being pressed to accomplish a task in an urgent manner, I enjoy Stardew Valley so damn much. I learned the hard way on my first playthrough back when the game was released. I missed some of my self-imposed objectives in such a failed manner that despite having some success in following in-game years, I just had to quit my save file after a while and focus on other games. I just wasn't approaching the game in the way that it deserved to be enjoyed. Fast forward to now, a bit after the 1.5 content patch arrived, and I'm having a dramatically better time with it on a new save file. Granted, I still try to push myself to, for instance, make a couple of Iridium sprinklers when I should be perfectly happy relying on merely quality ones for now, but I'm still taking it slowly on the whole and having a lovely time with it. Coffee beans, windmills and marriage can wait, you know. I got a coffee bean, but I forgot to plant it. I just realised. 
I've also got an indoor planter for my house, which I think you can plant anything in all year round. That's another way of getting a an out of season crop. And I've also there's a the greenhouse will do that too. Yeah, yeah. as I'm going to say, your farm starts with a dilapidated greenhouse, and then at some stage, I think it's to do with. Uh, it's the sprites again, isn't it? They, the community center, they'll fix it up for you. I planted but, a bunch of trees in there because they take forever, but uh, they keep they keep spinning out fruit true. every day. Good idea. Yeah, um, I, I guess a, a good beginner tip is make sure, because the, the store only stocks seasonal seeds, so you want to start getting hold of some out-of-season seeds for when you get your greenhouse, because otherwise you'll only be able to put stuff that's already in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then the the Oasis too will sell you some seeds off season. I always seem to have rhubarb in my greenhouse. I'm not sure why, but I didn't even know that was a crop in the game. Just goes to show <laughs> there's a lot of lot of things you can do. I'm growing beets for the Mr. Q Key. Yeah, key. Mr. Key. I, I think ah, Mr. it's Key. I think it's. Yeah. I think this is actually the uh, the how you get, eventually end up getting into the casino is yeah, the, yeah. that quest line. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah, so I didn't even realize until very recently in the game that left of the bus stop that you arrive is a location it's the the tunnel that you drive in on is actually a place you can go and there's a box hidden in the dark there and if you take a battery which you can collect from a lightning rod <laughs> which such a good which game <laughs> yeah store up energy um oh by the way does anyone think pam really wants batteries for her um tv remote listen i don't ask <laughs> Pam can use those batteries for whatever she wants. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, there's, another, Pam. There, there's, there's, an, there's another battery. Um, there's another battery thing that I need now as well. Willie's um, boat. Willie's uh, boat five needs of batteries them. and something yeah. else. Yeah. And I sold, I, I had like seven after a series of storms and then I sold them all because I didn't know what they were for. Classic. <laughs> the future for Eric Concerned Ape Baroni tweeted uh, this is over a year ago he tweeted this now. I'm actually working on a couple of new projects. One takes place in the world of Stardew Valley, but is not a farming game. Could be a visual novel, could be a dating sim, could be survival horror. The other, that was me interjecting, he didn't say that. The other, I'm not 100% sure about the world yet, but it will tie into Stardew Valley in some way. He's clearly committed and immersed in the land of Stardew Valley for the foreseeable future. Carter Frog. Again, says, having sunk around 100 hours between my Steam and Switch game saves, I'm very satisfied with this wonderful little valley. But as always with these simulation games, a genre I love, I tend to start thinking that I should just be doing this digital labour to grow something in real life. For now, my real life farm is limited to a couple of mint plants in the windowsill. And that's fine. Oh, I kill plants. <laughs> like, this is I, not on yeah. purpose, but uh, yeah. So They nearly always grow in Stardew Valley. Uh, you know, especially if you collect a few scarecrows. Dusk versus Tweak concludes our long form correspondence for this podcast saying Stardew Valley is such a peaceful game. Or maybe that's what the music and graphics would have me believe. I spent most days running back and forth, trying to get all my chores and sales done before that sunset. And I passed out in a mine or sometimes more embarrassingly outside my own home. And yet, despite my little avatar being worked to the bone, those musical tracks and those lovely pixelated representations of nature and the little town had me excited to wake up each morning. Stardew Valley became my therapist in a weird way. The game and its small world were so ideal and pleasant that it really made me start looking at my own situation and had me wondering what I wanted out of my life, why I didn't feel content or that sense of daily direction in the real world. 
Maybe I didn't want to own a small self-sufficient farm in actuality, but more that sense of purpose and being part of a warm community. These days, Pelican Town might be the video game world I most want to live in. That's pretty high praise. We got some more, just three words at a time from Twitter. Follow us at Canaan Rinse. Gadget 8-Bit says, didn't expect combat. Deadbeat Punk says, blueberries break bank. Real Dave Jackson says, jam mogul simulator. Eric Mickles married the goth. John Cheatham says, soundtrack is terrific. Mark M482 says, making grandpa proud. Alex79UK says, respite from reality. And Undiscovered Pie says one more day. One more day indeed. Yeah, Siv got mentioned a couple of times there. Well, let's uh, see if we can sum up this uh, game of many delights and much variety. Let's start with Ryan, Year One Farmer. I don't know, a bit hard to summarize just because this game is so many different things. Like I, uh, I've been uh, kind of posting a Twitter thread throughout the year of every game that I complete this year with as much of my thoughts and feelings about it as I can fit into one tweet. And so it does kind of force me to, uh, to try to distill the, the very, you know, top line mm. stuff that I can think to say about a game in a, a very small character count. And I think the way that I described Stardew Valley was something to the effect of like, it's like a paper that keeps unfolding. And then the bit that unfolds keeps unfolding in and of itself. And, you know, it's like, it looks like a lot at the beginning, <laughs> When you go down any specific spoke, it goes so much farther than you expected it to go. It's really impressive. Like, you know, if you wanted to play this just as a game in which you collected fish, then there's enough of that to just, <laughs> that could be your experience. And yeah. that's, that's a fine way to experience Stardew Valley. Uh, the, you know, apart from a few kind of like locations that are unlocked along the way, you know, usually progression down one of those certain spokes is fairly self-contained within that spoke. So really like you are allowed to do as much as you want in a particular direction. And if there are other areas that you don't enjoy, the game isn't going to, for the most part, force you to do those things to progress uh, down the things that you actually do enjoy, which is not something that you see a lot in video games. You know, usually you have to have at least some level of well-roundedness to make sure you're getting, yeah, I, I guess just as like a progression meters to make sure you're getting something out of the entire experience. But um, it's a very interesting game. And, you know, as I said, like I had Animal Crossing in mind while I was playing this and um, I was very interested in those results. Like, as I mentioned, like this game, Stardew Valley had such interesting written stories you know, handwritten interactions with the characters that really gave them all a sense of personality and mission and drive and purpose and fears. And, you know, it was a lot to them in a way that a lot of the Animal Crossing characters can feel a little interchangeable and a little absent-minded because they are literally interchangeable amongst like eight sets of personality traits. And, uh, and and so it, it's interesting to kind of go back and forth on that. Um, obviously, the museum was something that I spent a lot of time with in Animal Crossing. That's kind of my primary love in Animal Crossing. And here, you know, mm. while the museum isn't as lush as the one in Animal Crossing, obviously, I found it very satisfying to be able to kind of sort everything out myself amongst, you know, a series of tables and counters and like I would find myself naturally mm. organizing things in ways that uh, 
you know, I put like ancient contraptions on one table. I took, I put mines and minerals on mm-hmm. another table, you know, kind of creating my own exhibition, realizing that I could go completely random with, with assortment of, um, curation. And once it's set, it's set. And so, you know, I like that level of, of customization as well, but I, I also feel like the RNG is a little bit too heavy when it comes to collecting things for the museum. Uh, whereas Animal Crossing seems to mm. kind of like dole things out on a little bit better of a pace. Sometimes you'll spend a few weeks waiting for a last fossil or so to come in. But like, I feel like there are fairly fundamental, like I I wasn't ever able to communicate with the gnome or whatever his goblin creature, whatever he is that's <laughs> sitting in the mine, uh, because I was missing like one of the four dwarven scrolls. Uh, I had collected the other three and I had collected multiple copies of each of the oh, other three. Right. And it just yeah. never happened across yeah. that last one. So, but uh, in a way, like all of that kind of summarizing to come together, I enjoyed my time with Stardew Valley more than I enjoyed my time with New Horizons. But if I'm going to be spending time like returning to one of the games indefinitely, I would probably actually go back to New Horizons in perpetuity you know, post updates and everything like more regularly, just because like, I feel like that game kind of encourages more creativity with decorating your house and decorating your outfit and everything like that. Uh, Whereas this game feels immense, but finite in a way that, you know, Stardew Valley is immense, but finite ultimately, (laughs) whereas Animal Crossing is small, but infinite. (laughs) So uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting, like the way that those two things kind of like operate from opposite perspectives. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I say large but finite, like it's incredibly large. And the fact that it is finite is like, unless you are so hardcore dedicated, you're never going to scrape against that wall. Like that is purely theoretical talk for a more kind of casual player like myself. But um, I'm I'm blown away by how much the game continues to give even after I thought multiple, multiple, multiple times that I had roughly seen everything that a particular spoke had to offer. Um, it's a complete like bottomless pit. Sometimes it feels like. So I played Stardew Valley for the show. Uh, I, I wanted to play it anyway, but it was, it was the perfect excuse I needed. Very happy that Brian nominated it for, for this year. Uh, it had a good chance anyway, but that cemented it. And I ended up playing it for over 80 hours. It is now sitting at third on my most played Switch games list, just behind Hades and uh, some way behind Animal Crossing New Horizons. But it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily an indicator of quality, but it is an indicator the fact that I played an extra year of the game, another 40 odd hours after the point where we'd kind of notionally agreed to say, yeah, that'll, you know, you can get married in the first year if you do everything right. So that would be uh, that would be a reasonable time. But I really felt like I wanted to play the next year for myself and and for the show. Uh, and it pretty much, uh, it was a kind of fast 80 something hours that kind of flew by. People mentioned the, the famous old the Sidmeyer's civilization, you know, one more day, one more day, one more turn, one more turn. So much of that. Uh, and I can still hear after uh, however many days it is, eight times 28 plus one, the sound of the chest opening and the sound of slamming 
milk into the cheese makers and eggs into the into the mayonnaise makers. And that uh, satisfying feeling of trotting off on a kind of daily tour, whether it's uh, you're on a little kind of adventure, uh, dungeoneering, roguelike playing or getting involved in local personalities and politics or just going to the beach and doing some fishing or uh, see what your crab pots have dredged up or sometimes getting sucked into strange and peculiar, slightly bizarre fantasy elements, things that you weren't necessarily expecting. This game has a ridiculous number of micro goals. As some of our correspondents have said, you can absolutely stick with what yeah, the game's uh, sort of intrinsic goals, the ones it, the ones it uh, sets out for you. But you can just as easily play it more like an Animal Crossing kind of game. And I think uh, seeing some of these uh, people online who have got these incredibly ornate, elaborate farms, they've already done everything. Their bank balances are in the billions or trillions or whatever it is maxed out. But they're still playing because... They're simply getting pleasure from interacting, being part of this world with that nice music, the day-night cycle, all those lovely sound effects and and that cast of characters, a little soap opera that you get to be involved in. Um, Again, with all due respect and acknowledgement to the people who converted the game to the consoles, to the to the people who Eric Baroni's brought in to help him code the the multiplayer and, and more recent versions. I think you still have to just take your hat off to Eric Baroni. Ten years making this game, uh, five years since it came out officially, and uh, just such a labour of love and so finely honed and polished that um, that we struggled to kind of find things to say about it that don't work. Um, but we certainly didn't struggle to say things about it that we did like and and do work for us. So... Yeah, highly recommended. If you haven't played it yet, um, now's as good a time as any to start in this February of pandemic year two. Um, for me, it really took me to some nice headspaces that um, that I yeah I found as as some of our correspondents said actually quite therapeutic to engage with this game. And it must be intentional, but it's the most. It feels it feels actively insidious. Like the fact that uh, that you can only save the game. <laughs> when you go to sleep and all of the daily activities are like right there in the very, you know, the very waking hours of the morning. And so you, you're so tempted to just say like, Oh, just give me like two minutes. I'll just, just go and do all my chores yeah. and stuff. Like, but then you can't <laughs> save until you do the whole day. And so it's really puts you so on that cycle. True. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. But we, I can't believe it took us this long to mention that, but yeah, you could lose a whole day's, progress by not by not going to bed although i did find because i was rushing to complete year two in time to get my next game started for the show i was going to bed at three in the Mm. afternoon most days uh in uh, in winter in 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 year two and again you don't you don't get punished i think you can go to bed like as soon as you get up if you want so um that is one way (laughs) of dealing with it yeah you'll get unhappy animals because they're not getting fed unless you've got your silo stocked up and your auto dispensers on but um yeah you can even kind of circumnavigate that without too much pain but yes very good point leah i can't believe i didn't play this game sooner <laughs> um yeah it uh, i'm glad you didn't know because you've come into it with all you know fresh yeah fresh and i feel i feel like i've talked a lot on this on this episode um so i'll keep this kind of short no it's all good <laughs> Yeah, I, I really I really got sucked into this game and I'm glad that I did. I will probably 
I, I had kind of intended to, my self set goal was to get through year two, get my, my, uh, my, uh, evaluation from my grandfather. Judgment. Uh, yes. <laughs> receive my judgment. And, um, you know, I thought I'd probably drop off after that. Um, so there are still things that I want to do specifically. And as we've mentioned, like, it tends to be that when you are going after one goal, other goals will present themselves. I thought that I was probably going to be done after uh, I got to level 100 of the skull mines uh, that I personally mm. would be done. But now there's this whole other island that I've unlocked. So I got to see what's up there and uh, figure that out. Um, so, I, yeah, there's there's plenty of other things that I want to do. I don't know that I will be throwing myself at it quite as hard as I was in, in those first two years, but I definitely will be uh, continuing to pick away at Stardew for a while, I think. So I, I think it, it hardly needs to be said, but yes, I, I recommend this very heavily. Uh, and I think that a lot of people will get a lot out of it because there's an almost infinite way uh, of approaches that you can take towards it. Uh, if you're not enjoying one bit of it, then you go to something else. So um, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's worth a shot if any of this appeals to you at all. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I am. I like this game a lot. You liked it so much. You bought the book. I um, did buy the book. Did yes. <laughs> Did anyone get a horse, by the way? I didn't get a horse because of the, the hardwood need yeah, for the I got, stable. Yeah. I didn't, but maybe I'll, maybe, I mean, I don't have anything. I already put all of my hardwood towards the, the boat. So now I guess I can just keep going back to the get secret forest. To the secret yeah. forest. Yeah. yeah. Slowly oh, until I, just I have enough for a horse. I just remembered what the other battery thing is. Uh, one of the last things that was revealed to me before I switched it off, knowing that I had to crack on with the next game for the show. You can get a computer. Oh, you need can you? <laughs> batteries for, a, I don't know if it's a 1.5 thing, huh. but it says farm computer. Oh, give yeah. You advice. yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't have that. Uh, but yeah, I saw that too. I forgot about that. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Uh, maybe it just says, you know, we recommend you plant this at this point or something like that. But yeah, I guess it, it might help you. Water your crops, dummy. <laughs> yeah. Min-maxing advice. I don't know. Anyway, another interesting wrinkle. Uh, let's finish with the he who nominated the game for the show, Brian. Uh, I'm going to be uh, really brief uh, just because I feel I talked a lot on the show, too, and, and I think my opinion came across um, as I wanted it to. I think this game is just great. Um, there's there's no part of this game that I think that really falters. Um, the only thing I didn't love, like absolutely love, was the combat, and, and, it's, and it's serviceable at worst, and I think at best it's actually kind of... Um, it's kind of interesting. I just, to me, it's just the, the hearing the one more day thing and the one more game. Like, I just think there's a beauty to this game that like kind of is just throughout the whole thing is that, is that there's always, there's always something else to do and it doesn't feel like, like a chore. I don't, it probably has the same amount mm. of things to do as like an Ubisoft open world game, but I don't have that map fatigue <laughs> where you just open it up and see all the icons. No. Like, like in, in Stardew, yeah. like I feel like I'm not, missing out on anything by by narrowing scope and if i want to go and try to do everything i feel like there, there's just such a buffet of options that i just that th this game is just it's just when i think back on the first time i played it within the first few hours i remember saying out loud this game feels like a game that was built for me you know what i mean like it took all the mm. things that i wanted to put in a game and things that i liked and and like somebody laser focused on my you know my happy center of my brain and it was just like hey here you go <laughs> and um and it still feels that way to this day and i'm not nearly done and i'm i'm really excited to see what uh what he comes up with next and what his team comes up with next cuz i um they've basically uh made a patron for life out of me whatever whatever 
whatever um, concerned ape and his team comes out with next, I, I will be a first day adopter. Brian, we don't normally do plugs on this show, but I think it's relevant. Do you want to plug your TED talk? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. I Well, I did talk about video games in it, so I guess it's semi-appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did a TED talk yeah. like a year and a half ago, and I never said anything about it because I told my parents about it, and then it like just kept not coming out, and I kept like I got the feeling from my parents were like, oh yeah, sure you did, Brian. <laughs> you know. They, uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Kane and Rince, the Kane Rince Twitter feed was kind enough to to give it a boost, and um, it just came out. I'm really proud of it. Um, if you have a chance, um, I'm at Brian Tendo 64 on Twitter, and it's also on the Kane Rince Twitter account, or you can just search TEDx Brian Edwards, and my dumb face and beard just kind of show up there. So. So, um, yeah, if, if you could, if you'd give it a watch, it'd, it'd mean the world to me. It's uh yeah, it was a, it was a really big part of my life in the year 2019, uh, getting approved to do that and auditioning. And I, um, I'm super proud now that I can uh, share it with people and thanks for giving me an opportunity to, to talk about it. No worries. Uh, yeah, you can all listen you can all see if the face matches the <laughs> voice in your head or the, the face in your head matches the voice in your ears. You get what I'm saying. It remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Leah and Ryan, as well as all of our correspondents and, of course, you for listening. Next time, in issue 458, it's crunch time for Bioware as EA throw their fantasy RPG to the Kirkwall in Dragon Age 2. 